All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the 307 podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, you might realize Chad ain't sitting here. That's because he's got the daggone flu. And he was trying to come over here and record in the middle of his flu and give me and dad both the flu because he don't care. He's already got it. And uh, here we've got the proving ground coming up, and he just didn't care. And luckily, we was able to talk some sense into him, or I was. And uh, Brooke asked him on the phone. She said, "Just think about it. Would you, would you rather be inconvenienced by calling in on the podcast, or not having Blake at the proving ground?" And Blakely was talking to him on the phone after that, and she come back in there, and Poppy was talking with me. We got Poppy on the podcast here. Good to be here. And uh, I said, where did Chad go? And she said, well, Poppy was calling in. So I had to catch that call. So anyways, we hung up on Chad and ended up he ain't here. We're going to call him on the on the Bluetooth here in just a minute and see what he's got to, got to talk about. We put some questions out on Instagram. He didn't tell me about that. Poppy told me about that. And so we'll see what kind of questions you guys want to hear. What you got for us, Poppy? What you been doing all morning? I ain't did a thing. Nothing? Nothing. Got up early, didn't you? I did get a biscuit this morning. From the gravy boat? Nope. From Bojangles. Bojangles? Mm. Healthy. We went to Bojangles the other morning, uh, Sunday morning after Christmas, going down to Cat's granny's house. <clears throat> And I, no kidding, we sat, I was so mad. We sat in that line for, I, I bet we was in that line for 35 minutes. Got to wait for good food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, they, she wanted to bring them breakfast. I was so darn mad. I said, this is ridiculous. We're waiting in line this long, number one, for food, fast food, and it ain't even good food. You could have cooked it faster. She said, these biscuits are homemade. I said, what home did they make them in? She said, they ain't that bad. And I watched, I've watched them pour that butter over them biscuit. That it ain't even butter. It's just some, that liquid margarine. Well, it could have been no salt butter though. Yeah. Could have been. Could have been healthy. Unsalted. Butter. Yeah. Unsalted butter. It's better for you. What do you want to talk about on here today, Poppy? I'm up for anything. You ain't had nothing on your mind? What you been studying? I'm Oprah. I'm open minded today. Yeah. Well, you better darn talk. You complain all the time about us not having you on here, and then we get you on here and you don't talk. Well, you got to have something worthy to talk about. Well, bring it on, son. Y'all well, throw it out there, and I'll jump on the back of it, and y'all just hang on. Let's see if we can get Chad. He said I texted him a minute ago and said we're about to call you in a minute. That was at ten fifty four. He said, "Give me six more minutes." Show everybody your toenails. Yeah, Blakely got a toenail painting kit for Christmas. Another morning she woke up and she did my hair. She painted my toenails. She did my makeup. Yep. And my fingernails. Yep. Well, let's see if we can't get old Goofy Chad. He would just got slapped hateful on the text message this morning because I told him, I was asking him about if he was still contagious or not. He he said, well, I can come over there and record it, or you and Poppy can just record one. I said, 
My gosh, son. Let's see if we can get him here. Hello. Hey, is this Chad right? Yeah, this is Chad. Well, this yeah. is. Are you recording already? Yeah. What the crap, man? It's ten fifty-eight. I told you to call me at eleven. Well, two minutes early. You don't ever do nothing else on time, so I didn't think it'd matter to you. Well, I'm sorting through these questions here. Let me uh, put my headphones on. All right. Good gosh, man. What? Put you in charge of the podcast for one day and it's, you can't do it right. It's one minute early and you're just now sorting through the darn questions. You hear all that feedback? Yeah, well, yeah. He Once he gets his headphones on, it should go away. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Is everything coming through good? Yep. Man, I'll tell you. Oh, well, thanks for calling in, man. Um, you got dad there with you? Oh, yeah, yeah, Poppy's here. We've done been talking this morning. We we have done been talking for about 20 minutes. Are so. you serious? Yeah. Preach two sermons. Yeah, man. You said didn't, oh don't call gosh. you till around 11, and so, I, I mean, I'm not going to bother you. Well, I, well um, hey, I want to tell y'all a story first. Before, first of all, on today's podcast, we are going to do some Q&A with you guys, the listeners. I got, I posted this story one hour ago, and we probably literally have 150 questions. Dang. Uh, we're, we're not, obviously, we're not going to get around to all those, but the questions we're going to talk about are going to range from uh, our faith to running to uh, how dad smokes barbecue um, to uh, they're, they're to what this flu thing is like. They're kind of all over the place, so it should be a fun episode. But let me tell you a story. This morning, I went in the kitchen because now Brooke has the flu, and I'm just getting over it. So now I have to take care of her. And so I, it was my job to cook breakfast, and I got my frying pan nice and hot on the stove, got it nice and buttered up, and I was going to make us some eggs. And I got an egg, and I went to crack it into the pan, and the egg exploded like a bomb. Mm -hmm. It literally went, pow! <clears throat> and shot green chunks of rotten egg in a probably an eight-foot radius of the kitchen. It just, I, I don't know. I, I, I've never seen anything like it before. And the whole house, immediately smelled like rotten egg mm -hmm. and so then I, I couldn't eat egg anymore i neither one of us could eat eggs so we just made oatmeal but you know that's one heck of a good way to start your morning off cracking a exploding rotten egg into your fry pan where, where did that egg come from it came from the chicken coop oh yours or mama's it came from our chicken coop Mm. Yeah, I've cracked so, a rotten egg before. Not one that exploded quite like that, but 
they've they've got all of them got a little bit of pressure. That one must have had some extra. Well, for you guys listening to the podcast today, the reason I'm calling in is because if you don't know, I got hit with this influenza A, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. But I'm I've had this for about five days, and just this morning, my fever finally broke. And I just, I, I, I don't want to go to the studio and give it to Blake and his family and dad and everybody because we've got the proving grounds coming up and we all need to, uh, to be as fit and healthy as possible so we can be out and, and bring the heat at the proving grounds. That was so nice just, of you to be considerate like that. Well, it wasn't my idea. It was Brooke's idea because <laughs> I, I was going to come to the podcast. <laughs> because I, I I don't believe I I don't believe that this that this can be spread that easily. I think if if I drank out of your water bottle, then yeah, you might get something from me. But you know that you know the 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 truth is somewhere in between, I guess. So I decided just to call in. I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy about putting you two guys in charge of the freaking podcast. You've got the kings on the throne. Yep, today. you've got to you got to start, you know, weaning yourself off a little bit. Me and Dad, <clears throat> I mean, we can make this two episodes if you want. We've we've done hit all kind of good stuff here before. Look, when this podcast started, I want all y'all to know if you go back and listen to the beginning episodes, I didn't. Nobody would help me with this dang podcast. That's a lie. I did this. That's thing. a lie. I did this podcast week in, week out. I did. I learned how to look, man. And now I'm I'm having to turn it over to y'all two clowns. You wouldn't do them, but about one a month. Yeah. Well, and yeah, that's true. The first ones when we got going, I was doing them at my house, having the guest over. And just like we're doing here, I had the guest at my house and we was calling you and recording them. So don't get on here telling no lies. Well, I don't remember it that way. Well, I got pictures of it, and we've got it recorded. Well, you's having to go over to Tim's house to get internet. Well, I, you know, that's all distant memory to me. I'm just telling you how I remember it. Yeah. Well, of course. <coughs> well, y'all want to dig into these Q and A? Yeah. Okay. I'll po- hold this on. One. I posted it on my story too, and I don't think I've got one question yet. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I think you got like 1,800 followers on Instagram and Brooke's up to like 1,700 and something. She's about to pass you. I'm I'm watching the race here. Well, I don't ever post nothing either, so now, I don't blame you if you don't follow me. It's a wasted follow. I just tagged Dad in, in the, the story, so he might pick up a few extra followers. You know, he's real, he's real active on Instagram too, you know. Well, I I've got six. Do you? <laughs> I went back and looked at Dad's post, and his first post is a picture of him, and it says "in the chair." <laughs> All right, well, let's hear well, what this, you got. This first question is actually for Dad. We got we got quite a few questions for Dad specifically. Um, this is from Cole Stewart underscore seventeen. He said to Dad. Who was more dominant when growing up, Blake or Chad? Well, it depends on, I mean, what do you consider dominant? Like uh, aggressive personality, if it's 
being uh, you was more aggressive, more physical, I guess, type of a personality. Blake was more laid back, a lot smarter than you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Blake's more laid back, think things through probably even too much. Uh, but you was more physical, uh, probably outspoken. Uh, that's Does that sound like that fits the bill to y'all? Well, it sounds like you're trying to be a politician here. I, uh, I'm trying to figure out who was more dominant as a child. I just need an answer. Well, Chad is just, he has picked these questions and he knows how you want, he wants you to answer it. So he's going to keep asking you till you answer it the way he wants you to. Well, it's sort of like one of those deals. You would always start some crap until you push Blake too far and then Blake would kick your butt. Dad, do you, That's do how you I remember it? Do you remember? Uh, when I was young, how terrible my temper was. Oh yeah. I, I can remember one time I was, I was terrible as fighting mad and you and mom held me down on the, on the floor and gave, act like you were giving me kisses and loves, uh, in order to combat my anger. And, and all it did was make me so angry. And I remember I had about beat the backside of that door of my room. It wasn't nothing but one big dent. You remember that? Oh, yeah. I do remember that. I do remember, too, you, you could spank you, and and it wouldn't uh, – you, man, you just couldn't give you a, a, a spanking and let that just be it because you could spank you, and it wouldn't do any good. You could talk hard to Blake. You could raise your voice at Blake, and then that would do the that do the trick with him. But with you, I the only thing that would work with you is take things away from you, and then you would uh, we could get your attention. Then, well, I remember you got his attention one time. He was messing with me down in the kitchen at Red Mountain, and uh, Dad come in there. I don't know. He, he had to have been either like. Just getting out of high school or something. He's probably about 16, 17. Yeah. And you you was doing something, and dad come in there and told you to pick on someone your own size. And I think he pushed you or did something and knocked you through the laundry room door, and you fell in the laundry baskets on the other side of it. And you did, you was, uh, I think he got your attention that time. (laughs) (laughs) I see that same thing with my kids, though. You can, you can, get on to joe and she'll start crying but you whoop blakely and she just she just gets mad yeah it don't don't do nothing for her it's interesting yeah she's got she's got that personality like chad you different things work with different people but yeah yeah, you you're more aggressive you still are probably more hard-headed than than blake well um you know the firstborn is always going to be the most dominant. Whoa, boo, we're recording a podcast here. <clears throat> I can't literally came outside to record a podcast and Brooke comes out here crinkling a chicken feed bag. <laughs> um, you know, the firstborn is always going to be the most dominant. That's just, that's the way it is in nature. That's the way it is in humans. Well, sort of, and, like, sort of like though the, Firstborns usually don't get sick. 
You remember a conversation at Christmas, you know, first firstborn is strong and they don't ever get sick. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's generally true too. Generally. <laughs> Just get the bad sicknesses. Well, that that was a good question. Um I appreciate you pointing that out, Dad, that I was the more dominant one <laughs> we were growing up between me and Blake. Um if that's so, the way you want to take it, but go ahead. <laughs> here's the here's another great question from the listeners uh this is uh good gracious junior a d e c k juniors junior i don't know how to say his name but you'll know who i'm talking about junior this was a great question from junior how do you respond to challenges to christianity from others so how do you respond when people challenge your faith? Uh, and and I feel like it's a great question because uh, I, for one, can relate to that. And probably every Christian, uh, every person of faith out there, even of other faiths, um, everyone can relate to that. If you are passionate about your faith, People are going to challenge you on that. And many times they're going to challenge you in some pretty vicious ways. And, you know, since we did that uh, thing with Turning Point the other day, there have been some very, very vicious, I mean, absolutely vicious attacks and, and challenges, if you want to call them online. Um, so, you know, I, I think it, it depends in my mind on, on who, like, how are they challenging you? Are they, be, are they challenging you to be inquisitive because they might potentially uh, want to hear you out and hear your perspective a little, a little deeper? Or are they challenging you to undermine you or be malicious towards you? And, and you know, in, in my opinion, those required kind of those those will will evoke two separate responses to me but you know god's word tells us that we should expect to be challenged uh if we decide to take up our cross and follow him and uh, i think we should all expect that we shouldn't be surprised by it and um we should definitely consider how we react in these scenarios so do you guys have any input on that Go ahead, Dan. I think they should be answered basically the same. I mean, mm -hmm. I think the, you, you answer them with God's word, whether it's malicious or they're inquisitive. Uh, the, the answer all come from God's word. And if, if you speak God's word and what, what the Bible says about whatever uh, point that they're challenging, uh, there, there's there's no... There's no losing in that. I mean, his word is what his word is, and uh, you're, you're going to have that both ways, and especially on the platform that y'all have, you know, you're probably going to have more of the anger, uh, darkness versus light type uh, scenarios, in my opinion. I think that's probably what the majority will be because – Evil can't stand that light. So 
when you start putting God's word out there, then naturally, you know, it's going to be attacked and try to discredit you and try to tear you down. So as long as you, your, your answer is rooted in God's word, I don't see where, I mean, ultimately that's it. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that and they should, the response should be the same regardless, but, but there's another aspect to responding and it's the, the flesh side of things and how you respond with them. So you can use the tool of the Bible to respond, but in what ways are, are you manipulating the Bible and pulling out verses and, and yes. sharing them to tra- in spite of what they're doing? Or So, I mean, I would say that it needs to be out of love. If someone's coming against you in a mean way and the only thing they got to make fun of is that you're wearing a pair of short shorts up when everyone else is wearing business attire, then it's like... You know, at that point, it's not even valid. But if they have something that they bring up that you see, uh, well, I, I could see how they could think that. And it, whether it makes you mad or not, you got to respond in a loving. You got to respond the way that the Bible tells you to respond in in love to those things. Because if you get mad and angry, then you're giving them what they want. Number one, and number two, you're not living out. What you say you should, you're living out. You know, you're not living out the Christian faith in front of them. I mean, that's when it's when it's the hardest. And I think naturally you're going to. I mean, we're all flesh, so you naturally, yeah. It's probably your first reaction is, is man, to try to come back with something that's, you know, fleshly. So yeah. you're right. I mean, you can't answer. If you do, then you're just you've not accomplished anything. You're putting yourself on their level and you're, yeah, you're going to start an argument. Yeah. And you can't, uh, you can't respond to really anything in the emotion of it. Like, like yeah. you shouldn't make a promise when you're happy Yeah, because then you're going to over promise because of what you're in it. And it's the same thing with, with this, when people challenge you, whether it's like, man, I'm excited that they're challenging me about this. You just have to be steady and constant and, the way you respond and what you're, the content you're responding with should be steady regardless if you're excited about the challenge or you're mad about it. you got to take a second and process it for what it is, and that's what I would say. Yeah, um, I'm totally in agreement with that, and, you know, it brings me to where, where I've been really studying in Scripture over the last few days in uh, Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 16. And I think this goes right along with the fact that when you go forth, you should, as a servant of Christ into this world, you should expect challenge. Starting in verse 16, Jesus says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That goes right along with what Blake and dad just talked about. Know your stuff, but don't respond in anger, but beware of men for they will deliver you up to councils and they were, they will scourge you in their synagogues and you should be brought before governors and Kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought to how or what you shall speak. Or it shall be given to you in that same hour what you shall speak. Um, and later on in verse 34, Jesus says, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I am come, 
I am come not to send peace, but a sword. He said, I'm come to set a man at variance against his father and daughter against mother and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Then he goes on to say, he that loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. All right. And that makes complete sense to me in context of uh, that. That's a pretty bold statement that Jesus makes that if you love your father or your son or your daughter more than me, you are not worthy of me. And what Jesus is talking about there is he's talking about if people, even people that are very close to you, if they are um, maybe not challenging your faith, but if they are attacking you, because you have chosen to follow Jesus. If the world is attacking you because you have chosen to follow Jesus and you say, well, you know what? This is just too much. I'm tired of being attacked. I'm going to hide my faith under a, 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 a under the bed and I'm not going to talk about it publicly so that I don't have to endure these attacks from the world and, and my loved ones. That is what it, that's what it would look like to love the world and love your, your father, your mother, your sons, your daughters more than you love Christ, right? Christ isn't saying to, 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 to not love people, especially your family. He's saying that these challenges are going to come and you've got to uphold the standard of, of um, acknowledging Christ in public. Uh, so, you know, for me, online, the, the vicious kind of angry challenges that people bring against my faith and my belief, I don't even, I don't respond to those. I, I cannot, I, I, I don't respond to them because it requires a more intellectual conversation than I can portray in text. So I just well, look, I see them, but I just say, well, maybe, uh, maybe I'll have a chance to talk to that person one day. Um, and people that are actually challenging me on things that I believe in, in a, in a way that, you know, in a way that they just want to understand better why I believe the way I believe, then I'll take the time to make a response. Then I'll take the time to, to reach out to that person or spend time with that person. Um, because that tells me that they are prepared to listen essentially and, uh, and not just attack. So mm -hmm. that's where I'm at on that. Yeah. And I, I would add to the, that verse you read, that is essentially giving us a list of priorities, right? So it, it's saying if you put anybody else above me, then, then that's wrong. It, you know, even your parents, even your kids, your closest relationships on earth do not need to be before me. And so that, I think that's a good example of what putting or not putting God as first in your life, as the top priority, regardless of what tension it causes or what problems it causes on earth. I think that's a perfect example of that. Yeah. Well, and most people don't truly understand that either i mean i guess what i'm saying is 
look at the world as a whole. Of course, this would get on a whole different subject, but look at most people. Do they really put God to, is he the first in their life? If he Mm -hmm. is really, are people doing that? But, you know, I I think it's few and far between. Yeah. But it's, that's a, that's a whole nother. I mean, we could, we could talk. Oh, don't hours. worry, Dad. There, there's plenty of uh, other questions that we need to get to here. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm done. I, I'm going to try to keep this balanced for the listeners. Here's a here's a running question. Um, so I'm going to try to kind of bounce around here. This is a great one for Dad. Any tips <laughs> for someone? Any tips for someone who is just getting into running? Quit. <laughs> that's Dad's. That's Dad's tip. Quit. Quit running. <laughs> No, no, I did run for for a little while, yeah, years ago. But that, yeah, that's better fielded by you. <laughs> you were Blake. If I if well, I'd give my go ahead. No, I, I mean all I can do is, is share with you real quick what happened when I got into running. I got into running out of necessity when I decided I wanted to be a seal. I had to pass a physical standards test just like the physical standards test that we have now at 307 Project and that you guys are out there pushing to try and pass. Um, I had to start running. And how did I get into running? Well, I went out and, and bought me a pair of running shoes, and, and I just started running slowly. Um, and what happened was is I developed really bad shin splints, and I would – I would stop running until I could actually run again. I still had pain in my shins, but you have to understand this pain got so bad that to the point that I couldn't even walk. And that's when I would stop. And, um, so I'd recover for a few days and I would just go back at it and I would start running and and I wasn't concerned about speed. I wasn't necessarily concerned about mileage. I wasn't concerned about racing. I just, got out there. I was intentional about getting out there and trying to run every day, even if it didn't feel good. All right. Even if it didn't feel good running, remember this, if you're just getting into running, running is not going to feel good. And more than likely, it's not going to be enjoyable until you break through that initial adaptation that your body has to make as it relearns how to run. Okay. Um, your body is a weird machine. It's always thinking of self preservation. That's what drives us to eat donuts and sit around on the couch, uh, in in the air, in the air condition when it's hot outside or in the heat, when it's cold outside, the body doesn't like any of extremes. It's a survival mechanism that's built into us that, has allowed the human race to survive uh, throughout, you know, the history of the earth. And so understand you're going to have these times when you first get into running, it's not going to be fun. It's not going to, you're going to be seeing all these people out here trail running, looking like they're having a good time. And you're going to go out for a trail run and you're going to be like, how do these people enjoy this stuff? It's, this is freaking miserable, man. Well, Um, at what point though, does it, does that kick in? Is it like, you know, three months down the road or is it? It took my body about that. I don't think I was really 
adapted to running to the point that I was good enough at it that I could actually enjoy it and focus on getting better and faster until I went into the Navy the second time. So I'm going to say it took me from the first time I decided I was going to start running to that point where I just felt like I could really enjoy it and I was good at it about a year. And look, man, anything that's worth having, including running, running is a beautiful thing. It's the most beautiful form of exercise that exists on earth because you can do it anywhere. It doesn't require any equipment. Um, you can do it if you're traveling. You, it, it, you can, it, it allows you to explore. It's just a, the most pure form of exercise and mode of travel on earth. So it's worth forging that ability to run. It's a really wonderful thing, but it takes a while. You just have to be consistent. You just, it's like everything else. You can't quit. Even when you don't feel like it. Now you listen to your body. If something hurts, like really hurts, like an injury, like a bad shin splint or your IT band is super tight or you've got some plantar fasciitis, you got to take a pause. You got to get that fixed. But then after that, you ease back into it, right? Don't, I think what's happening in the running world right now because ultra running has become more mainstream people that want to get into running. They see these people out here running these hundred mile races and 50 mile races. And, and they think that that's normal. That's not normal. These people that are running these hundred mile races and stuff, they've spent years building up to the point of being able to do that. Right. They, they, they either ran track in high school or they've been, they've been running half marathons or shorter distances for a long time. And um, it takes a while to get there unless you're just some, you, you, you have some, um, some crazy natural, uh, you know, ability and you're, you're just built as a runner. Um, there are people like that. There are some kind of freaks out there that, that can just can, can go do crazy stuff. Uh, my old LPO and the SEAL teams was that way, Moose. But, um, but yeah, that's my advice, man, is ease into it. Don't get frustrated when things start to hurt. Listen to your body. Give your body a break when it needs it, but don't allow those little aches and pains to be an excuse for you not to stay after it uh, when you are capable of getting out there and moving and running. Don't worry about speed. Don't worry about distance. Don't worry about time. Get out and have fun with it. Also, go run in places that you enjoy being. If you have, if you have to drive an extra 20 minutes to get to a trailhead in a, in a beautiful place, go drive to that trailhead, run in places where you want to be. Don't run where it's just convenient all the time. Well, and everybody's genetically made different too, aren't they? I mean, some people are going to be faster. Some people are going to be able to run farther. I mean, so you, you may be somebody that's fast that can't run as far or somebody can run far and not quite as quick. or uh, So I guess there's all kind of different aspects. I mean, body types and mm-hmm. whatever. Oh, yeah, 100%. That's like me. I'm not that fast. I can just go a long, long way. Um, you know, but, but, you know, it's just like, it's just like Chili said when, uh, Somebody asked Chili one time, can everybody run? And Chili said, well, no. Some people don't have legs. 
True. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I would agree with all that, and the only thing I would add is just that trails are, are better on your body, right? You remember we ran that on the pavement out in Phoenix, and it was, what did we run, like eight miles or something, and we don't run much on the pavement, and our legs and joints and everything ached from just that short little run on pavement. So if you can be on trail, <clears throat> then it's better on your body. I would say as far as distance and uh, keeping up with your time and all that, I mean, it's, it's cool to track it and see your progress and things like that. But if you can and you're tracking it on the watch or whatever, don't look at it during the run. Just get out there and enjoy it. Don't, it doesn't matter what pace you're running. It doesn't matter how far you went. Go out and run. And if you want to push, push a little past when you're ready to stop. Then say, I'm going to go 15 minutes more or a mile more, however you want to measure it. But don't get caught up in looking at your watch and tied up and all that stuff. Just enjoy being out there. And then I would say on equipment, don't uh, don't get too sucked into what other people like because, like Dad said, everybody's body's different. So you're going to like different shoes. You're going to like different food. Every, you know, your body likes different foods better. Some people like gels. Some people like real food. And the, how much and when they need it is always different. So it's all right to look things up as a guide maybe to help find that for you. But just because it works for Chad or Chili or – me or someone on the internet doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. Uh, you can use that stuff as a guide, but it doesn't mean that it's a law for everybody. So the type of watch you want, the type of shoes you want, you know, shorts, whatever it is, uh, go just go experiment and figure out what works for you and don't get hung up on everybody else's uh, ideas. Yeah, and, and we're about to move to the next question. I'm not going to beat a dead horse. I just want to drive the point home. If you run, if you're just getting into running and your first run is a half a mile, don't be discouraged about that. That is better than zero miles. Mm -hmm. Don't think because Chad runs 120 miles that your half mile when you're just getting started is insignificant. It's not, man. It's not. The journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. You guys all have heard that saying. It's so true, man. It's, it's a timeless piece of wisdom. So don't degrade yourself if you go out and try to run and, and, and it's, it's to the end of the driveway. And you, you build upon that. That's the way everything in life works. That's the, all, there are no shortcuts in life. None. And let's move on to the next question because I, I want to hear this from you and dad. Um, this has to do with your testimony. I, I've shared my testimony multiple times in multiple places. So I want to send this question to you and dad and allow you guys to answer. This is from JJE underscore 8221. Was there a situation or a specific event that led you to Christ? Yeah, was there a situation or specific event that led you to Christ? Yeah, I'll go. I'll go first on that, and we. I'll just preface it by saying this is worth. If you're a Christian now, you may not necessarily know like exactly when that began, unless you really spend some time thinking. At least that's that's how it was for me because life just happened, and I didn't make note of those moments. And it took me going back and thinking through when did this happen. And for me, it's not as. Uh, well, I'll just share it. So basically, 
when I was in sixth grade, we had moved around a little bit. I, what that was our the second we just moved once at that point at uh, Red Rock, right? That yeah. was our second yeah, house, second. but I I mean I was moving from middle or elementary school to middle school and I was changing school districts so I didn't know anybody there and I don't know why it was such a big deal to me but I just didn't want to go to school I was super anxious about it and to the point that I couldn't go to school I would get so anxious about it I would have you know I would my stomach would get upset I would get diarrhea and like <laughs> just bad bad anxiety and we even we went to the Mom ended up taking me to the doctor, and they wanted to put me on medicine, and I don't remember if I got on it or not, but I remember thinking back then that that I, like I couldn't continue on that way, that it's not sustainable to be feeling that way. It's not right. It's just going to school. I saw the logic in it. I saw, like, man, it's just school. It's like a mile down the road. I'm coming back home. Everything in the family's fine. It was just that I don't know why I had it, but it was just terrible anxiety. And I just remember thinking that I, you know, I couldn't continue doing that. And really that's, that's kind of what spurred me on to, to seek out Jesus and see, well, you know, like there's got to be something that can help me other than just taking this pill and, you know, I'm feeling like a robot or whatever. And so that is when I recognized my need for something that was more than myself. Like nobody could provide any logic. I understood it. And I saw that it made sense for me not to be that way. Nobody could do anything for me. No words you said, nothing you did. Nothing ever took that away from me until, I, I mean, I remember seeking out Jesus and, and I was somehow able, well, just through the grace of God, I was just able to unload that off onto him. And that set the tone for me for the rest of my life on worry because that is a something that will come up in my life a lot. I, I will want to uh, make just like a, you know I'm not going to have enough money or I'm I'm worried about this or getting sick or worried about the kids and so just worry about everything in general is something that plagued me in the beginning and will start to rear its head if I don't keep a check on it. But I can always go back to that point and remember how bad I felt and how much that affected me, even in my physical body. Like I got so upset about it in my mind, it would affect my physical body. And so that's when I saw my need for Jesus and was able to, you know, accept him and, and start to follow him. And I saw the benefits and the help that he gave me. And so, I mean, that, that really was the beginning of everything for me. And, you know, what, what really pointed that out to me was that just as I thought through, people always ask, what is your testimony? What is this? You know, and I, I just think we kind of lose the meaning of the word testimony because it's used so much. So I, I would start to ask people, and, and I thought about it this way for myself, is when did you recognize your need for Jesus? And that should be your testimony is, is you know, if you're having trouble finding that in your life or thinking back because so many things have happened in your life, trying to find that specific point. You just think, when did you realize that you could no longer sustain your life and you needed help and nobody on earth could offer it to you? So for me, it's, you know, that, that was it. That was when I, that was when I saw my need for, for Jesus. Well, you got Poppy. 
Oh Lord, we don't need to open it. Might we could be here two, two or three hours with mine. But uh, you know, I mean, of course, I I come to know the Lord as a as a young man, and and like most people, I guess, as a child, when you there's a long ways from being a child to an adult and different things in your life and falling away and tragedies. And so, uh, you know, my first experience was as a, a child, probably 10, 10 year old, something like that. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't really know where to go. I, I, I flip flopped, uh, around and uh really as as of the i guess where i really got things right was uh some some bad thing i'd got real far away from the lord uh and a lot of a lot of bad things happened and uh you know it was just devastating and, and of course the boys here know exactly what i'm talking about but you know, I just, I'd got so dark in my life and Blake come, actually Blake come to me. I was up in the bedroom, I think, where you told me, look, you know, you're, you're the, the only help you got is from God. And, and until you get this right, this, this is just what it is. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I sort of feel like that was the point where it's like, you know what? I mean, I bounced around. I'd live for the Lord, then I'd backslide, and it just. And I've lived as dark as you could you could live, and but uh, from from that point on, that was like, man, I finally got it right. I finally got. I'm rooted, you know, and, and I, I really, I'm sure a lot of people have that in their life and I look back and I think, you know, how did I bounce back? I mean, how did I fall back into evil? How did I how did I do that? I mean, it's it blows my mind. Maybe maybe I really didn't get it. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I had a relationship with him. But then you let things happen in life, boy, it just seems like if you don't correct it before you know it, you've done got so far gone that you don't even, I don't know. You don't even think about the Lord at, mm -hmm. at points. You can get that. Yeah. You can get that far gone. So, uh, you know, topsy turvy with me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that's a, that's a, that's a beautiful testimony. And I, I, I think that, that it's so we're, we're all so different. Um, it's, it's frustrating, uh, to, I think even to me to think, well, I was kind of like dad too. It kind of had to reach a point where I, I came to the realization that, well, crap, I don't have any other, I don't know what else to do here. And, and for some of us that are just so dang hard headed about doing things our way and, um, and, and whatever it may be, uh, you know, it's a. I think it's a lot easier for uh, Jesus to reveal Himself to some of us when we are flat on our backs 
uh, in the pit. <laughs> and, uh, and that's about the only time we decide to look up and say, Oh, wow. Well, there is a way out of this. Um, don't get to that point. If you're listening to this, you don't have, hopefully you, if you can learn anything from us, you don't have to get to that point. Exactly. But for, for a lot of us, because we're human, we have to get to that point, uh, to really grasp what Jesus did for us and why we even need him and why it's important that he is who he said he is. Um, I love that, man. Yeah, and you know, it, it's interesting that it's almost like good in the world is expected by everybody, like because of our inherent moral <coughs> that all humans have, that we almost expect good. So when good happens, you're like, yeah, well, of, of course that should happen. People should be good, and they should do the right thing. But when you see bad, you think that shouldn't happen. That bad should not happen. And so almost everybody has to, to see evil, to find God. Like, they expect the good, but when the bad happens, they're like, man, why is that happening? And they have to figure out why the bad's happening, and they recognize evil for what it is, and then they say, oh, well, crap, if there's evil, then this good must have something to do with it too, and how is it overcoming the evil? And that's when they see God. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I've never heard anybody's testimony that said, you know, I just saw God's goodness and I just gave my life to it. I mean, there may be some testimonies out there, but I nobody has shared that with me that, you know, I was just out in the, the wilderness and I thought, man, God is so good. I'm going to give my life to him. I've, I've never heard that. Almost every testimony I've heard is where people have saw evil and they see their need for God to deliver them from that evil. And then they decide, yep, I need to follow Jesus. And so, I, I mean, to what degree the evil is experienced, it, it might be as minor to me it was significant but in in reality it's just it's anxiety and it might be as minor as that or it might be that you're living with demons overseas and you know you have to have those demons cast out of the building and it might be this you know for dad seeing how evil we are as humans and recognizing your need for it so i i feel like you experience evil to some degree to recognize it for what it is I love that, man. Well, let's move on to the next question here. Um, all right. Here's a good one. I like this question. Uh, I'll answer it first, and then I'll send it to Dad, and then, Blake, I'll send it to you. What is the most important lesson your father taught you? All right. Well, I, I think for me, uh, one of the there, – there are a few I, I want to point out. For me, the most – what the most important foundational lesson that dad taught me was work ethic. Um, when I was young, dad and my grandfather owned a business, a surveying company. Now, <clears throat> when we were pretty much old, when I was just old enough to walk around and, and just do piddly stuff, I mean, you know, he he allowed us to come out and be or me to be on the crew with them and they paid me now even though i I'm, i couldn't operate the the machinery and and the and i didn't understand what was happening i could still carry a shovel i could still dig a hole 
Um, this was physical, manual labor. Um, and that, I mean, that started for me, gosh, when I was probably before I was even a teenager, dad and, and pops would allow me to do that. And they didn't have to do that. They had men that worked for them. They brought me out and paid me. Pops paid me, not because he had, he did that to, to help me understand that, hey, you're going to have to make an effort. You're going to have to get out of the house and you're going to have to do some work in order to get things that you want. There's no, there is no such thing as a handout in the right family. I don't know a single one of our core family members that have, that have ever taken a handout for anything. And that was a foundational lesson that has driven me throughout my whole life. And like I said, it was a sacrifice that dad had to make. He's got a kid out here on the crew with him. In reality, I'm probably slowing him down. Oh yeah. We Pops, slowed him down. <laughs> Pops is, Pops is paying me to do something that is, is, is not even like the, the man that, that that's actually on the crew should be doing carrying the shovel. But you know, that to me was a very valuable thing that was instilled in, in me right early on in life. And then I was thinking too, another, another important lesson was uh gun safety, man. I can still remember, when I was a little kid, dad, uh, and his buddies, this was, I think when dad was a police officer, we were living in the, the original house and they would clean their weapons out, uh, there on the kitchen table. And, um, they, they allowed us to handle the weapons to, they taught us about them. Uh, they, they it wasn't something to be feared. It was something to be respected. And so that started for me, at least uh, I was around that uh, as a, uh, a very young child. And, uh, I thought that was a, a pretty cool thing that we did in our family, um, that has helped me throughout life, uh, just because of the life that I have now chosen to live. Um, so that's just two that came right off the top of my head. What do you got? What's the most important thing pops ever taught you dad? Well, it sort of basically mirrors what you just said from, you know, from my first, my first real vehicle. I mean, uh, a vehicle that amounted to anything, you know, I had to pay for. I mean, uh, I can remember dad would help me. I think he'd give me one tank of gas and I think he may have paid my insurance. But I had to pay for the car. I had to, you know, anything to do with maintenance or whatever. I mean, from payment to maintenance, you know, just the value of, I'm not going to say of money, but of responsibility more than anything. I mean, being responsible, uh, being able to take care of yourself, learn the values of, of what it takes to get different things and, um, that would probably be the most, I mean, you know, dad had a, a handicap that, that he never let slow him down. And, uh, 
just that and <laughs> that alone is enough to teach someone, you know, a lot just from that. I mean, man worked just like anyone else. So, uh, but just, yeah. And talk, talk about, talk about, uh, what he, he talk about his, uh, disease dad and, and how that impacted you just seeing him have to work through that and, and, and never, never once. I mean, I never heard that man complain. And I'm talking about, this was no joke. Never heard him complain. No, no, I never, I never remember hearing anything. I mean, he never, even in the, you know, he had polio and, uh, man, we'd work, you know, land surveying. So when I was young and, and started with him in the business, you know, he'd work in the field with us. So. So can imagine trying to walk around in the woods with a bad leg and a bad foot while he would walk around and go as good, if not better than most people. And, you know, and then his work ethic with that, I mean, like, you know, he didn't, he didn't give you no breaks when you worked with him, buddy, you worked and, uh, you know, and I, I hate to put it all on work, but that's just valuable it's, it's more than the monetary part of it. It's just the point of, you know, getting out. You do what you got to do. This is what you've got to do to be successful in, in whatever, whatever you want to do in life. You've got to be, you got to be willing to do it no matter whether it's causing you pain, no matter what the situation is you've got to make things happen because nobody else is going to do them for you. I mean, you know, I, I don't know if you remember even with me. I mean, that helped me with my back. I can remember when y'all was real little, oh, my gosh, I'd go to work, and I couldn't even hardly stand up. I mean, really, it was just agonizing pain. But, uh, you know, I'd get through it. But, you know, I mean, it's just that that kind of mentality that you just do what you got to do to make things work in life. And I, I credit, you know, well, him and mom both. I mean, you know, the, just great role models for me. Well, you got anything else to add on dad there, Chad? No, no, I just, I was just thinking about Pops, how unique of an individual he was, um, how he, he was, uh, that I don't know of anybody else like him. Uh, he was not a, he was literally completely absent of complaint. Mm -hmm. Or worry. It, yeah. it, it was worry. It, no. just like, I don't know anybody else like him. I don't know how, I don't know how he did that. Um, and he, he had every right to, I know he lived with pain and suffering every day. Um, and I don't know, that was just really cool. That that's all I got, Blake. Send it. Yeah, no, that's a, that's interesting to think about because you don't, until you sit down and actually analyze it, you don't really like that. That never hit me that, wow. He never complained about that until you actually think back through it and think he had this. And most people would complain about it. They would say, man, this sucks. My 
foot's killing me after out walking all day on this. I don't know if I can keep doing this. Whatever. And but, we'd do miles. I mean, yeah. you, we may walk, uh, you know, as far as working, we'd walk probably five miles a day. Yeah. Probably. And the worry, too. You know, I don't ever remember him talking about uh, anything about not having enough or, you know, maybe he had such lack of worry to a detriment that, <laughs> that he, he literally didn't worry about anything. Yeah, and about so nothing. maybe, I don't know. That's Yeah, that's interesting. Very, uh, very cool. But I would say it, the probably the main thing that I admire and, you know, I, I'd say lesson that I'm still learning because it's just hard for me. But about dad is is uh, his ability to share the truth with people regardless of how it's going to make them feel. And I don't know why. I don't know why it's hard for me. It, I am conscious of other people's feelings and I am guilty of maybe it, even sometimes not sharing things I should share because I know it's going to make people upset. And I just, I don't, I don't know why I'm that way. It's, I just am. And so I wouldn't say that I'm a people pleaser, but if I know it's going to hurt somebody, I have something inside of me that is a hindrance and I can, I can overcome it a lot of times, but sometimes I, I just, I avoid it or whatever. So that's something I admire about, dad is he don't give two craps and he'll just tell somebody whatever and it don't matter how it's going to make them feel and so i mean i'm not saying he's mean or rude <laughs> he could be and in certain times it could be viewed that way but you know if if you have a if you have the right heart about sharing it with someone it it shouldn't really matter what it is and and I'm not talking about truths of the Bible or sharing anything like that or if someone is is doing wrong correcting them in that I just talking about just everyday things that that you can agree on or right but you know someone is going to take it wrong whether they're the way they take it is is right or not so that's just something I don't know that's just something I've always thought that you've been able to do good that that I'm not good at and I'm still not good at it and I'm still working on it, and I, you know, I can look to you as a example of that of unashamedly sharing whatever. Uh, so I mean, that's nothing. I'm I'm proud to say that I'm that way. I mean, I I don't like that I'm that way, but it's who I am, and so something I work to overcome regularly when it whenever it happens, it never gets any easier or worse. I just can recognize it for what it is, and. I'm able to go do it as I do it more, and but it's still just as uncomfortable as it ever was the first time I did it. Awesome. Awesome. I like that. Well, we got a few more questions here. I got one one specific to Dad. I got a, a, a lot of questions on here uh, were obviously about what kind of racing, what, what is my, what races do I want to do in 2022? Uh, John Perry, uh, sent a question in, uh, well, John D Perry, any interest in doing Badlands, Barclays or Western States? There were also multiple questions about, are you ever going to do Biggs backyard and this and that? Look, let me tell you about, let me, all right. The races that I am interested in for 2022. There's one race that kind of sparked my interest called the Cocodona 250 miler. It's a point to point 250 mile race across Arizona. Um, 
that race I'm interested in. Uh, I'm also still adamant about the FKT on the Penhody Trail. All right. I am not interested in big mainstream races like Badwater or Western States. Um, they just, they don't, for some reason, appeal to me. Like, I'm not a race car. I'm just a gritty backwoods runner. I'm not a race car, all right? So I, I'm not going to be competitive at Western States. And maybe that's why it doesn't interest me. Maybe it's the crowds. Maybe it's the hype. Ultra running to me is not about hype. It's, it's not, it has nothing to do with that, all right? It's, it's, about, it's, it's really about me growing myself, things I learn about myself. It's about, it, it, to me, it's more about just grit and personal growth. I'm not big on the hype, right? Now I do like to win. I do like to compete, but ultimately that's not what drives me when I'm looking at races, races like, uh, the Barkley and the Biggs backyard. Look, man, I'll go, I'll go do Biggs backyard or, or Barkley. But th the thing about Laz's races are, is they're very, uh, clickish, right? So you kind of have to have a foot in. You kind of have to know Laz. Um, and I'm not going to beg anybody to be a part of their race. There's there's plenty of other races out here that I can go run that are challenging, that, uh, that I can sign up for. There's FKTs. There's plenty of other things that I can do. And I, I'm not going to beg to be a part of somebody's race. I've, I ha, I will submit applications to races. Um, but you know, I'm kind of not in that, 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 that whole arena with Barkley and Vol State and, uh, Biggs Backyard. Like I say, I, I'm kind of not in that click. Um, so, you know, maybe I'll be there one day it, if Laz invites me to be there. Heck yeah, I'll go run. Um, but that's where I'm at on that. But I like the idea of the Coca Dona 250. I'm kind of burnt out on the 100 mile distance. I'm kind of over it. Uh, I don't know that I'll run any 100 milers in 2022, just because I, I don't, I don't see any significant growth coming out of them. Uh, I'm not interested in going fast. I want to go far, and so that's kind of where I am with my race thing. And the second question is, I saw you, you ran some miles when you had COVID. Yes. I ran a marathon when I had coronavirus on day four of coronavirus. Um, did you do the same with this influenza? The answer is no. This freaking influenza a that I have makes coronavirus look like child's play. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I ran a marathon with coronavirus because I felt like I could go out and run a marathon. Somebody else asked, do we train when we're sick? Well, you, you, the answer is listen to your body. Uh, it depends on how sick you are. Um, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you with this influenza for the last four days, there, like I could not have, I could not have ran. I think it would have been very dangerous 
for me to go and run a marathon with this virus. It was extremely high fever. Every bone in my body ached. I mean, it was rough, son. Look, when you're sick, let your body heal. Don't be sedentary when you're sick. Even with this influenza, I have made sure I went out and hiked twice a day. Even even when I had 104, 103, 104 fever, I made sure I, I went out and hiked for at least 30 minutes twice a day. Now, slowly, but no, this, this daggone thing right here that I've had, no, it ain't no joke. So, no, I didn't do any running with this influenza because it was an actual, um, an actual sickness. Um, coronavirus, I, my experience with coronavirus was, was nothing compared to this. And I know it affects everybody differently. I know some of you guys dang near died from coronavirus. I know some of y'all know people that have died from coronavirus. Well, it didn't hit me that way. The important part is get freaking healthy now while you're not sick because you are going to get sick. That's part of human life. We're, we're all just hyper aware of getting sick now because all anybody's talked about for the last freaking two years is about getting sick. Nothing's changed about the human condition. We've been getting sick for thousands of freaking years. Nothing's changed. Get healthy now. Get strong now. Take care of yourself now so that when you get sick, it doesn't freaking destroy you and kill you. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I went to the doctor's two days ago. It was, it was absolute insanity. I went to the doctors. I, they gave me a test for flu and coronavirus. The doctor comes back in and says, well, you're positive for influenza. You're negative for coronavirus. And then she proceeded to spend 30 minutes telling me coronavirus protocol. And I, I literally stopped her three times and said, well, look, I don't have the coronavirus. I have the flu. Can we talk about that? She would not acknowledge the flu. She was in some, it was like she was a mach, some kind of robot. And when I left, she handed me paperwork that told me about coronavirus. It was like, you just gave me paperwork to tell me about coronavirus and I, I have the flu. Why didn't you give me a paper to tell me about how to treat the flu? If you have to go to the doctors now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, at least my experience, it was very weird. Very weird. I would suggest you to get serious about your diet. Get serious about your fitness. Get serious about every aspect of your health while you are healthy. That way, when you do get sick, you're going to get through it. When I got this flu, I knew this freaking flu wasn't going to kill me. How did I know that? Because I work every single day to be as strong and healthy as I can possibly be. All right? That's the key, man. Don't worry about training when you're sick. Train when you're not sick so that when you do get sick, 
you're not sick for a month and wind up in a freaking hospital. That's right. Good word. That's like Sorry, I had a, that's like going to the had, doctor and they say uh they say, Well, you've got a you've got a bad heart and you leave and they give you a paper about ingrown toenails. <laughs> it, it was it was the wildest thing, man. That poor lady, man. That poor doctor. I know she was just overwhelmed and overworked. And and you know, you know who she's overwhelmed with? You know, she was like, we're, I, I saw the people that they were having to send to the hospital with coronavirus. She was overwhelmed by these patients that were coming in with coronavirus that were freaking fat and out of shape. That's what was, uh, she's overwhelmed by the population of unhealthy people that are getting sick and in turn having to be hospitalized because they because of their chosen way of life. And so then that th- that was projected upon me and affected how I received care. You want to talk about unfair? That's some bull crap, man. And that's about as far down that rabbit hole as I'm going to go. Um this question's to Dad from Trail Trash Dirt Bag. We got this one and maybe one more. Dad, you love to smoke barbecue. What tips do you have for us am- us amateur meat smoking folks? Wow, I don't even know. <laughs> well, you went to school for this, didn't? You? I went to Meyer and Mixon's uh, barbecue school, but pass that knowledge, son. Well, I mean, it's basically, I mean, I guess just Blake, you're a smoker, you know how to smoke, but, but I mean, I guess that the key to smoking anything, in my opinion, they didn't teach us when I went to school, you can do it either way, but I like to cook real slow. If you cook low temperature, slow, if you got time, nine times out of 10, it's going to be good. Don't you agree? Usually. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't smoked near as much as you have, but uh, I can't even add to it. I mean, what's the, what about where to buy your meat at? Is that important? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we've got a local meat market that, uh, I get my meats from, but yeah, I mean, you can tell the difference depending on where you get your meat. I mean, give them a shout out. Uh, I get all of mine at triangle. So triangle grocery down in Rockmart. Yep. There's only one of them. So, but find you a, a local butcher or, or something. You're going to pay a little bit more probably for your meat, but you're going to, you're going to taste it. So, um, but you know that I like to cook slow, low temperatures. You can cook fast, but, uh, uh, I, I tend not to do as good if I cook high temperatures and, and shorter times, time spans. But there's different things, too. I mean, rubs and, you know, I love Creo. So, yeah. this The prep. Whatever. The prep means a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I'm by far any kind of 
perfect person on the smoking, but I tried. How many pounds of meat did you smoke for the race? Oh gosh. I don't even remember. Do you, it was like, uh, 200. Was it? Yeah. It was like 200. I don't know. I think it was better than 200 pounds. Yeah. So what, what kind of, what's your favorite smoker you've had? Um, that commercial smoker I had was, was good. I mean, of course there's several different commercial smoke smokers that, uh, that are out there, but I tell you, there's a huge difference from going from one of them to like a Traeger or, you know, that's what I've got now. And I think that's what you've got. And Blake's got, I got the pit boss. He's got the pit boss, but you know, those are fine for around home, but man, they just don't cook like those professional smokers well you burned one of them up you burned a pit ball slam up <laughs> yeah, for the race yeah i burnt blake's put his in retirement but i i miss having my commercial smoker but uh i mean you can do it with these store brand smokers but you're, you're never going to get the the cooking times and and just the consistency of heat and all of the commercial smokers Roger that. All right, our last question, which is going to be fitting for, uh, I don't know if I just said quick question. Quick. Our last question, which is fitting for this time of year, we'll let Blake answer this one first, and then I'll, and then I'll hit it, Dad can hit it. What is your stance on New Year's resolutions? How do you set goals? Gregory Gang. What is your stance on New Year's resolutions, and how do you set goals? I mean, I don't New Year's resolutions or resolutions midway through the year. I don't, I don't know why any one time of the year is any better than the other. If you got something in your life that needs to be fixed, I mean, I guess you can make an argument that the New Year is a time to maybe recognize that. Maybe that's all it is. But if you got something in your life that needs to be fixed whether it's your body or your spiritual life or whatever it is, then you need to just go ahead and fix it. If you realize it a month before the new year, then you need to start a month before the new year. And I mean, I, I don't know. I've never been a big like goal setter. I've never, I guess I've had ideas in my, in my head, but I've never been like, this is where I want to be. And here's a bunch of micro goals to get me there. And when I reach that goal, I check it off. I, I've just never been that way. I, I just kind of take things day to day and I have a general goal in my mind. And if a decision comes up, I think, well, does this lead me toward where I want to be ultimately, or does it steer me away from that? And if it does, is that path that steer me on better than the one I'm already on? So I'm just kind of constantly assessing things and thinking about, which way I want to go. If it's a change of direction, it may be a good change of direction. And if it's not, then I stay on the path I'm going. So, I mean, I don't have a lot of tips on that. I just have never been a big goal setter because in the end, I don't have control over what is going to happen. There's so many variables between now and where I want to be that if I set that goal, I've, I personally, I feel like it's wasted energy because I could spend a lot of time working toward that goal and something happened and shut it down. And so, I, I mean, I just tend to try to take it 
you know, short periods of, not day by day, but short periods of time at a time, uh, working toward whatever it is I have in mind. But I don't write them down. I don't have micro goals. If something needs to be changed about my life, then I just say, hey, I'm going to change it. And I work toward changing that. So, I mean, I know that's all kind of vague and not, um, doesn't really give any tips, but that's just, that's how it is for me. Well, you know, as far as uh, how do I set goals, I, I think that I probably am more of a goal setter. Um, I set really big goals. Um, I set goals that I realized when I set the goal, it might take me multiple years to achieve it, or uh, I might actually fail. Um, achieving the goal within the time parameters, if there is a time parameter. For instance, I, I set this arbitrary um, financial goal for myself as a businessman. I want to make a million dollars in 2021. I want to make a million bucks. Well, uh, that will continue to be my goal. I missed the mark in 2021. Um, that will continue to be my goal until I make my million bucks in a year. Now that's totally arbitrary. There, there's, I, I don't have, I haven't, I don't have any uh, thing that I want to buy. I don't, I, it's just a goal. It, it's something that drives me to actually uh, get out and do things that generate income. Uh, I, I kind of have to have some sort of financial goal because of the way we live our lives. I don't really, I don't really require a lot of money to have the necessities and to have our, our daily needs met. Um, so I set this massive financial goal for me personally. Now to a lot of you guys, that may not sound like much. A lot of you guys might have um, multiple millions of dollars and you might say, well, that's a low, a low goal. Well, you're, you're talking about a, a guy that was in the U S Navy for his entire adult life. And, you know, we don't make much money in the Navy. So I'm kind of starting off, um, starting off at zero uh, and building from there. So that's a big goal for me. That's a big financial goal for me. Um, as far as uh, running goals, like personal goals, <clears throat> there's a couple parts to it. It has to be, if I'm going to set a goal for myself, it first has to be something that I think or I know I'm, I am going to enjoy, right? has to be something that I know I'm going to enjoy. Um, usually if I set a goal, it has to be something that is going to, to provide something to other people, right? Uh, it, you know, if I go and run a race that there's no way that we can share it with others through social media, um, whatever uh, along the way say there's there's absolutely uh no cell phone service or something like that that's going to affect my decision on whether i run that race because when i'm out trying to achieve a goal i want to be able to use that achievement in order to inspire others to to possibly influence others or or make others other people want to get up and, and set goals for themselves. That's really important to me at this point in my life. Um, I, I'm a, 
my biggest passion in life is, is a, a teacher um, or an instructor, whatever you want to call it. That's my biggest passion. So if I'm doing something, if I'm on a journey to complete something, I want it to have some meaning to other people also. Um, and then, of course, I also have to consider all the other aspects of my life and, and business and make sure that that goal is, is feasible uh, and, and fit within, you know, within the, the parameters of everything else I have going on in life. I'm not going to drop or compromise on other things in life in order to achieve some certain goal. Um, so it has to fit there. That's kind of, I guess, right off the top of my head, how I set goals. New Year's resolutions, the reason I think they're bull crap is because I think that how whoever you, whatever you want to be or whoever you want to be, it, ha- it has to become who like it has to become who you are it has to become your lifestyle it's to become literally what makes up the fibers of your being not it, it can't be some thing that you're trying to implement at a certain time for a certain duration uh it it, it that that just doesn't work it doesn't produce any real and permanent change um, so I think that the whole new year's resolution thing is a, is a fallacy. Uh, I have never even considered it and that's where I stand on that. The, the new year's resolution, I think the only purpose it serves is to bring light maybe to things that need change in your life. And maybe it's a, just a good time to assess. Okay. Let's, let's look at this stuff and see. But I, it's like the, the fad diets, like the boiled egg diet or the whatever diet it is. It's like, can't nobody eat boiled eggs or going to eat boiled eggs the rest of their life? Uh, and, you know, you might lose some weight and see some effects from it, but then you're going to go back to eating whatever you was eating before because it's not sustainable. And the New mm-hmm. Year's, it, you know, it's like why you're doing it, how you're doing it, all of that stuff. And so that's what I think about that. I think there's there's probably some people that can say that, yeah, they had a New Year's resolution last year, and, yeah, they're still on track. But the majority, yeah, I mean, you're setting yourself up. You just say, yeah. I think, like Blake said, it just makes you recognize it. All right, yeah, I need to change this, blah, blah, blah. And then you just, you know, I'm, I'm like Blake. You know, either – Either you're going to do something or you're not going to do it. Make your mind up and do it if you if that's what you need or, or realize that you need to do in your life. But uh, it, it don't have to be on New Year's Day. It don't have to be on February 1st. It's just, you know, and, and, and here's the deal. You never know where you're going to be two months down the road anyways. I mean, yeah. you, you may be so far off base from what you're thinking that you might need to do. So, you know, if you need something corrected, correct it and move on. Yeah, and I think, you know, goals are good. I, you know, when I say I don't set goals, I guess I, I really I do subconsciously have things that I want to achieve and, and accomplish, but it's that I'm not so focused or I'm not so dedicated to that goal that I'm not open to other things along the way because something else may come up along the way that is different from what I wanted to do, but is much better 
than what my initial goal was. Like, well, goals goals is different than a resolution anyway. So it's all right to have to know where you want to be in your mind a year from now. Have that in your mind that this is where I'd like to be. But you got to be realistic and realize you may be 180 degrees off from that, especially uh, and monetary. Th- I mean, depends on what you're talking about. I mean, if you're talking about spiritual things, or you're talking about, uh, you know, you know, there's a number of things to talk about because, uh, as far as you may say that my goal is to. I don't know, walk the desert. Well, you may be, it may not take you there. You may be up somewhere in the North Pole. Yeah. With a, riding a snowmobile. So, (laughs) I mean, it depends on what you're talking about. It's all right to have goals, but life does take you in many different directions. But resolutions, I'm not big on those. Yeah, I, I have many goals for 20. I have many goals for 2022. I mean, and, and most of mine revolve around providing um, experiences to help others grow. I mean, my big goals for 2022 uh, are are uh, doing this paddle mission with the, the paddle team on the Altamahal River, mm-hmm. um, con- conducting, you know, multiple basic course missions with, with, uh, with you guys. And, um, uh, a personal goal of mine is to not have to travel so much, man. We have just, we have ran ragged in 2021. I mean, we have just went hard and, you know, personal goal of mine in 2022 is not to have to do that, not to have to travel so much. Uh, that's going to take me being conscious of that freaking calendar. Blake just called me yesterday and we were talking. He said, yeah, well, January's already slapped full. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. And, and our, our, our life and our business is weird because we almost, we almost only know what we're doing a month or two ahead of time. So the calendar almost just, just fills up month by month by month. And it's going to take me being conscious of what is happening a month ahead of time and what we decide to say yes to and what we need to say no to. And that also has to be strategic because I have the financial goal that I want to make a million bucks one year. I mean, I want three of seven projects to make a million bucks one year. And, um, you know, me not wanting to travel so much. Well, that, that pushes up against that financial goal which is going to require me to be innovative, me and everybody on the three seven project team to be innovative on how to make both those things coincide with one another. So, um, yeah, I have a lot of goals coming up in 2022 that I'm looking forward to, but I don't have any resolution, just, uh, I guess just goals. So, and then every day, my goal is to be who I say I am, uh, Every day when I'm working out the details and, and performing the tasks that need to be performed on a day-to-day basis. So y'all about ready to shut this unit down? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. You got anything else to add, Poppy? I'm good. That was a well, good Well, I enjoyed podcast. it, guys. 
Yeah, I hope uh, I hope Blake can figure out how to get this dang thing posted up. Um, we'll see. Yeah, if we'll not, see. I'll just hope. bring that card over there and put it in your mailbox. Hopefully, y'all can listen to it soon. Uh, we'll be back. We'll be back with another episode on Sunday. So uh, we love you guys. Thanks for tuning in, Dad. Thanks for coming out and filling in for Chili and Blake. Yep. Good deal. Yep. Thanks for being a dummy. I <laughs> <laughs> right, love you guys. Love y'all. I'm out. This is the three of seven pot. This is the three of seven project podcast. Enough said.